0: familiar with EFT or tapping? That's what we're talking about on today's show and as it pertains to stress, memory and depression. Welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show Triple Three, and I have the wonderful Dr. Peter Stapleton joining me on the show again. Now, some of you might remember about, let's call it four years ago now, I first had Peter on the show to discuss emotional freedom technique, or tapping as it's more familiarly known, Uh, and The reason I uh, love Peter and her work is because I actually found her – through Jo Dispenza. And you'll hear me in today's conversation. I didn't remember that they worked together and that's actually how I found her work. Uh, but they have done a bunch of joint research on emotional freedom technique and meditation and how people fare after undertaking such activities for relaxation and for changing their lives. Uh, and uh, and so that was kind of the the precursor to the first chat. But I just uh, bonded with Peter a couple of times on socials recently around Meridian Points and some of the research. I'm very passionate about the power of acupuncture. I know from personal experience when you get a good acupuncture practitioner uh, that really knows their stuff, it can be a game changer for all manner of things. And uh, when Peter shared the research recently that a Korean research team had been able to prove that the meridians exist. I was like, aha, Uh, you know, sometimes we need those naysayers to see a piece of concrete evidence and here it is. So we actually talk about that at the start of today's show and Peter unpacks it a little bit. But to let you know who Peter is uh, in terms of her career and profession, she's a registered clinical health psychologist and associate professor at Bond University here in Australia and she embraces evidence based and innovative techniques she does a bunch of research they're always researching groups of people across all sorts of areas when it comes to the power of emotional freedom techniques and tapping so um She's been awarded many achievements, including the Harvey Baker Research Award for Meticulous Research, uh, the Association of Comprehensive Energy Psychology, and being named the 2019 Psychologist of the Year in the Australian Allied Health Awards. She's authored The Science Behind Tapping, uh, which is a great book, uh, a proven stress management technique for the mind and body that was published by Hay House. Uh, and then, of course, most recently, which is the book we're diving into a little bit today, uh, Memory Improvement Through Tapping. And you'll hear me talk a little bit about my recent ADHD diagnosis, and I've been really curious in this time about how much some of the more known negative aspects of the ADHD uh, presentation, such as working memory, uh, you know, everything in the executive function bucket, um, how much that can be modulated because things like tapping are proving that you can change the way you uh, thought you didn't remember people's names or, Um, You can change uh, the, oh, I always forget things or I always forget my keys. These things can actually be changed. I'm interested to know, and I'm sure research will tell us eventually, how the impact differs from, say, a neurodivergent group who has the known issues around, say, working memory and a neurotypical group that we don't necessarily know yet. But... Tapping is such a wonderful uh, activity. I mean, it's just such a lovely, mindful, simple, free approach to being curious about some of those things you have either beliefs around or other people told you so many times that you just assumed that was you, that was your reality. Like, I'm always curious to see how much of that we can change. And so we unpack some of that in today's show as well. Uh, It's a really great conversation. I know you guys are going to love it. I would absolutely love to hear who out there is using tapping. If you love tapping, please share this show in your Instagram stories or email a friend and say, hey, uh, I know you're into this because that is how we get our show out there and it's not – possible without you, your amazing reviews that you take the time to write and of course those incredibly powerful shares with your own communities, friends and family. So I really appreciate those of you out there who do that uh, because our little show is starting to reach somewhere between uh, 80 and 100,000 people a month around the world. Uh, and, you know, a shout out to the 420 French people who, qui ont écouté mon show le mois dernier, or there's Spanish people, or there's people in Poland, or there's people in... uh South Africa, there's about a thousand people who listened to the show last month. And then, of course, thousands and thousands of Aussies and Americans, New Zealanders and, and Canadians, and people from the UK. Uh, I didn't mention your country, I'm sorry, I'm sure, uh, but there's 149 countries around the world. So thank you guys. Now, we couldn't put this show on without our sponsors. Big shout out to our major sponsor, Oz Climate. This is the very end of may now, and if you are l- if you are lucky enough to be listening to it now and you are in the market for a dehumidifier or an air purifier, then they have a multi buy offer which, if we used our ten percent off code of low tox life or one word. Uh, It's practically making it two for one in their appliances. And we know that dehumidifiers and air purifiers aren't the cheapest of appliances. So if this is something you need, if you want to band together with a friend or a family member so you can both get one and get that amazing offer, uh, as I said last week, catch up for a coffee and divvy it up. Um, then this is absolutely the month to do it in, the month of May 2023. If you're listening live, you're very lucky because it's a crazy good offer. Ausclimate.com.au is the website. Not sure what size you need. You can always pop them a call. They're really happy to chat you through the options. And then, of course, Block Blue Light are an international sponsor and you have 15% off all the month of May through their amazing range. Uh, I mentioned the uh, 100% uh, blue light blocking um, sleep masks last week, but I also wanted to mention something that's fantastic and portable, something I take travelling, is the reading light. So you can take this reading light with you overseas and it can act as your Nighttime hotel room light Or ab uh, Or if you're staying at a friend's house And you just want to have a little light To do your reading Or to just potter around the room Before you go to bed And start winding down properly Because of course when we block the blue light That allows our melatonin production To kick into gear better Which means we get a better sleep And uh, it just makes our whole circadian rhythm Work way, way, way better Uh, And so putting something like a reading light in the mix, if you're jumping online and thinking, oh, I'll get a couple of Sweet Dreams light bulbs for the living room, don't forget the bedroom because if you do all that good work in the early part of the evening in your living spaces and then you switch the main light on in your bedroom to do a few things before you jump into bed, then you don't want to undo all that good work. So either get yourself Sweet Dreams bulbs for the bedroom as well Or maybe consider one of the portable little reading lights. I love them because you can just take them anywhere. Uh, So that's a great little one. And if you have little ones, speaking of little ones, uh, their night lights are awesome. So you have a full block out red version or the amber version uh, and they are just so good for those little trips to the bathroom Uh, Or maybe you're older or maybe you had four kids and you just get up to pee once a night, Uh, you know, and it it happens. There are all sorts of reasons we get up in the middle of the night and not having blue light exposure in those times is really key to our ability to then more easily get back to sleep as well and fall into a good deep or REM sleep that that help us clean and reorganise our brains. So uh, enjoy that. It's life 15 blockbluelight.com.au, and you can shop the whole range and get that fantastic discount to the end of May. Enjoy today's show, and I can't wait for the masterclass we'll be running with one of Peter's colleagues in our membership Mm -hmm. To bring the memory tapping episode to life So Naomi Jansen is going to be taking us through Some of the tapping uh, little circuits we can do Especially around different aspects of memory uh, Which I just can't wait to do with our clubbers If you haven't heard about the club yet 49 bucks a year, that's it, that's all So if you're an American, that's like $30 $30 a year or in European, about 30, 35 euro. Great chat group, 50% off all of our courses all year round for our members. And what's the other perk? Oh, yeah, the masterclasses, the one I told you about. So we do roughly one a month, sometimes two uh, with either show guests or uh, practitioners locally who help club members around different um issues that we kind of poll as the the major ones we want to talk about. And we're bringing in a very relaxed, no pressure book club as well, which I can't wait to get going to. So it's a great place to be. You can head to lotoxlife.com and then hit the explore tab and join the club is the very first option there if you want to join us. Okay. Now I'm definitely getting in today's show. Enjoy guys. Hello, Peter. How are you? I'm well, thanks Alex. I am thrilled to be chatting. Uh, We recently exchanged very positive, exciting uh, DMs on Insta and uh, it was over the fact that scientists have uh, found evidence, physical evidence of the Meridian system in the body. (laughs) Uh, and, And so we were chatting and then I was like, when was Peter on the show last? And it was nearly four years ago. Wow. So um time flies when you're um when you're tapping. And um I I wanted to, I guess, start there because that is incredibly exciting research. Uh I can't tell you how many times I've been poo-pooed in various uh comment threads, people saying, oh, acupuncture's BS and I'm like, well, (laughs) it really works for me (laughs) and a lot of other people, like an entire huge country. Uh, So what what do we know
1: now that we didn't before? Yeah, look, we've been so excited ourselves because finally it sort of brought some physical evidence to Mm. what we do, not only in tapping but acupuncture as well. And it started really in sort of the 1960s. There was a Korean researcher who had found evidence of what we call the meridian system as a physical vascular concrete sort of duct system. But no one could replicate his study. So it kind of got buried and everyone sort of went, eh, don't really know. And then about four or five years ago, again, Korean researchers wanted to revisit that and I guess took a different approach. And lo and behold, found the physical evidence so they have termed it the primovascular system so it is indeed a vascular entity in the body a bit smaller than a capillary system if people want to think about that running along a capillary they've able just with more modern I guess you know technology they've been able to inject tracer dyes into this primovascular system which lo and behold condenses at the vascular density points that are known acupuncture points. So not only if they said, hey, this is the meridian system, it's not energetic, it's actually physical, but those known, you know, what acupuncturists or you know our Eastern philosophies of known for donkeys is, they get like an 80 to 90 percent accuracy rate matching those charts when they inject tracer dyes because it coagulates in those vascular points. And they were like, ah, they really did know. what was going on it also <laughs> I could have it, told you that I know, yeah. <laughs> I know. It, it also has um kind of made it more important that if you are doing self-tapping at home and things like that you actually hit the acupuncture point because we of course have dismantling studies that tap on sham points and there's sham acupuncture studies and those results just don't show anything so you actually do need to hit the acupuncture point so yes, yeah, so look we've been very excited we're singing singing the information from the rooftops sort of going see it is real (laughs) it's not just energetic
0: yeah because i remember when we first spoke one of the challenges of eft was getting it across the line into more of the clinical practice setting um, and validating it as such
1: yeah that's Mm. right so this does make it easier and we are on that note currently under review with the american psychological association as an evidence-based treatment so that's a whole process in itself but it does add it's it's not it's not as woo-woo if you like that people are talking about shifting energy and making and we could always sort of even in the last decade been able to show if you tap on an acupuncture point you do get brain changes we've got lots of brain scan studies that will show that but the pathway to that mechanism was always a little bit unclear but now we definitely have this definitive
0: Vascular yeah. System. And it, as, as long as someone can argue placebo, it's like, yeah. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. And so, um, you've obviously been looking at where mental meets physical a lot more closely, uh, certainly as we, I mean, in your career in general as a psychologist, but in this latest book that you've brought out specifically on memory stress Uh, depression and how both of those things pertain to stress. So I I really want to unpack that because there's so much there. And I think there's so much that we blanket statement in our lives. As I was reading your book, I was like, oh, gosh, yeah, I've made that blanket statement. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I need to examine that a little further and get more specific. And and tapping and preparing your tapping script, am I allowed to call it a script? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, uh, to work through those acupressure points uh, and say the things you want to say at each point, Uh, we don't want to start with a blanket statement going into preparing a tapping script. So can you actually talk us through why that is not helpful in life nor in tapping?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we tend to globalise. It is a fairly easy thing to sort of, you know, have general statements like, I always run late. I actually drive past this car locally in my area and their number plate is I'm late. And I'm like, that's a really bad. <laughs> that's very plate. bad
0: self-affirming. Yes, yeah.
1: that's right. Confirmation <laughs> bias. Mm. So in tapping, we know the more specific you are to your own personal circumstances, the more outcome you get through tapping. So sometimes even if people are having a look on Google, finding lots of tapping videos that might be specific to their topic, let's talk about procrastination as a topic. And they're like oh there's a video on procrastination sometimes the words the speaker says in that recording may not be accurate or 100 true to you so you really need to make it more specific which is why we say if you're tapping along and you do think of specific things or specific memories that will be really important for you it will be your mind and brain telling you hey this is actually related to why you procrastinate that type of thing And you're right. Like we just said, you know, confirmation bias. So in this new memory book that I've written, people have these blanket statements about their memory or their ability to remember. And we literally are brainwashing ourselves with the statements that we say on a daily basis. And that's just a given. Cognitive behavioural psychology will tell you the same thing, that if you say something often enough, your brain will just, your unconscious brain will believe it. It won't question it. It's just the truth. So we want to break some of those, particularly in memory. Memory was such an interesting idea to me to do the tapping book on purely because, you know, my students use tapping in their exams to remember what they studied. And mm-hmm. that's actually where it came from was me Yeah. Like, oh yeah, I use this all the time when I walk in a room and I'm like, why am I here? And I just tap and then I remember. Yeah, <laughs>
0: so- nice. Yeah. And I have to say, as someone who's recently um I think discovered is the wrong word because in retrospect I've known it all along um, that something was different about the way my brain was wired, um, but I have been diagnosed with ADHD and I'm very careful in a, in such a diagnosis to then start seeing every meme online or, you know, this huge laundry list of, of associations. Like, yes, it could be associated, but how much of my ADHD is actually stress induced, like normal human stuff. And, uh, and I keep coming down to, okay, the nervous system, you can actually work on a lot of what are considered to be the negative aspects of, and really then hone in on that amazing tangential thinking, network ability, uh, abstract thinking, out of the box stuff, uh, you know, all the great bits. Uh, And I, I really feel that we This is where, unfortunately, diagnoses can really be harmful in the wrong hands or in the hands of people who haven't been exposed to amazing things like tapping, nervous system work, where you can then start to believe every bad thing about yourself that you've ever experienced. Oh, yeah, okay, that's ADHD, for example. And I'm sure there would be other clinical labels uh, that you could um, enlighten us even with um, that would be the same.
1: Yeah, I think you're totally right. You know, we've seen, I mean, people talk about, oh, there's an increase in prevalence of diagnosis of maybe even, you know, autism disorder, ADHD, um, other personality disorders. And the question really is, is there actually an increase in incidence or are more people coming forward for assistance? So mm. things like Medicare have allowed that. So we're just seeing more people able to come in and get yeah, assistance.
0: which is huge. Yeah. That's And, huge. and validating for a, a, Absolutely. a big yeah, whack of people.
1: That's right. Or are we becoming a little bit more trauma-informed as well as a community? I mean, you know, you get sort of big personalities like Oprah that write books on trauma or, you know, Dr Gabor Marta and they're doing all these and they're spreading the word to make it more acceptable to talk about trauma. So is that influencing what we're seeing as a diagnosis instead? And I do think there's a little bit of that. And then throw in a pandemic and stress levels because that's what you sort of asked was, how much is due to stress? And, and we can assess stress. So we can assess what are you coping with at the moment in life? And I might even give our listeners, go Google this stress scale, because I really like this one. It was it was actually designed by two cardiologists who saw looking at heart disease called the Holmes Ray. So that's H O L M E S, Holmes Ray, R A H E. They were the two cardiologists' that's the name. Um, stress scale and they put together a scale of significant things that happen in life just every year day in day out for lots of people and you can do this scale at any given time in the year and all you do is tick which ones are happening in your life at the moment and they have a rating on them so you then add up your rating now the good thing about this scale is it actually tells you so they've done the research to prove it where your number sits as a total score will indicate whether or not you might actually get sick in the next 30 days. And they mean like a head cold or something like that. So the impact of stress on your immune system. So I think that's like a really, it's just a, one simple scale. Um, sometimes my students fill it out in class, you know, in week one of semesters, very different to week 12. Um, I tell you, Christmas is on the list. So it ranks, so that time of year, You'd have to tick Christmas as happening because there is stress associated with, you know, getting married, having a divorce. All these life events are on the scale and you can change depending on the time of year. And I think that would be the thing, too, that if someone got a diagnosis of ADHD when a number on that scale at that time in life was really high, then you would kind of want to tease it out and say, hey, is it this diagnosis or is this a function of other things that are happening right now in life. And that could be, you know, everything and anything compared to when you're on holidays and vacation and got no financial stress or I don't know, whatever. So I think it is a hard question to answer. And I think more comprehensive assessment tells us a better story. So
0: and retrospect, um, has it been your whole life or has it just been this last year that you've noticed that? Yeah,
1: that's exactly right. Yeah. So
0: important. And then so Then we deal in the just this last year, all those preconceived ideas we have about ourselves where we make these big blanket statements. How specific do we want to get before we work on an issue? Like, is it a journaling exercise? Do we fill out? I mean, your book has some really amazing prompts. Yeah, Um, I
1: think even to start with the general and let's use a memory example. Um, So this is one of my husbands. It is in the book. He does know I wrote about him in the book. He'll uh probably never read the book, but (laughs) (laughs) he's an engineer. He doesn't read books. Okay, right. So he has a belief. Now the belief is a general statement. And the belief is I'm hopeless at remembering people's names. So if I meet someone with him And he knows this person, but he doesn't tell me who I know in that moment. He can't remember their name. So sometimes I might compensate by introducing myself first or whatever. But he has a belief. Now, you can start with that in tapping. And you're right. There's some examples in the book and trying to find where did this come from? Like, was I told I had a terrible memory for names as a young person? Uh, Did I have an embarrassing experience or memory they come up once you start tapping and then we say take the tapping there so if something comes up it could just be a belief where I've offered to do tapping with my husband on this one he just doesn't worry about it <laughs> so but sometimes we may want to fix that. Um, so it's beliefs beliefs are just global they drive our lives and we confirm our own beliefs so that we don't feel crazy and mad so we go out there and forget people's names, even if they tell me 27 times and I learn some sort of memory name technique, whatever, they don't work because we have to confirm our own beliefs. So you can start, if you don't know where it comes from, that's okay. And the one thing I like to say about tapping is if you do get any pleading thoughts of something in the past, that's normally your memory centre, your hippocampus trying to tell you, hey, this is relevant, This this may be connected.
0: Mm. And is it those situations where it's probably best to seek out an EFT-trained person to help you with your specific scripting?
1: Sometimes it is, particularly if what comes to mind could be a bit distressing and sometimes Mm. people are taken aback by how fast tapping can work and they suddenly do access something that did happen that they'd sealed off in in the mind. And so if that happens, absolutely, that would be the opportunity to go find someone highly skilled. But even if you're brand new and you're like, oh, oh, I'm, I'm a bit kind of, you know, intrepidous here, it's still a good idea to go work with someone. So you can actually learn how the technique works and then you can use it on your own at home and use it in between sessions and be okay with that because you can learn different sort of styles of how to box things up if it gets a bit overwhelming or distressing and you would learn that with someone.
0: Yeah, brilliant.
1: And in terms of
0: seeking someone out, this um, this is an important one because every man and his dog can call themselves an EFT practitioner online these days. I mean, and then a lot of people don't even investigate what that means to them. Where did they study? Uh, and, uh, and it, you know, if you really trust someone's energy and feel very safe, then great. But, if you're really just trying to find someone who is qualified, what kind of qualifications should we be looking for?
1: I would probably look for a certification or accreditation program behind them. And most of those, and this is the next caveat, most accreditation that really do train particularly a lay person that might be trying to change careers into this they will be at least two to three years worth of training equivalent to a bachelor's degree they're not 12-week courses so if someone's sort of credentials say a certain organization's name I would look at that organization and find out how long does it take to do a training through that organization because if it is just a 12 week or a six month program, that's not enough in our clinical opinion. We really, lots of the training programs around the world that are fully accredited, have a mentoring program, a supervision program that follows the training. Like here in Australia, it takes about two to three years before and you're still supervised even if you are seeing clients during that time and that's more equivalent to a counselling degree if you came to university to become a registered counsellor. So that would be my caveat if people want to go off and have a search and find somewhere in their local area um, and obviously you'll find the reputable ones will come up and show that on average it takes about two years.
0: Yeah, great. Thank you for for that. A lot of people wonder and uh, especially when it's a newer form of, uh, holistic therapy, then it's really important to know know the details. Uh, on tapping, on the script, I've noticed we always have to, well, not always, have to say the negative part um, of what we're experiencing, like I'm angry and, you know, you're tapping away.
1: Why is it important to acknowledge the anger? So even way back, you know, 50, 60 years ago, you know, our forefathers in therapy used to say change happens with acceptance. So change can't start to happen until we accept. So it's almost, and we've got plenty of other mainstream therapies where acceptance is the first step. Acceptance doesn't necessarily make change unless you do something. So it's fairly uncomfortable to just walk around saying I'm angry (laughs) and not do anything you'll just stay angry. So acceptance (laughs) is one thing, but then do something. So it does appear as though in tapping we are always saying the negative, but what we're saying is we're acknowledging the truth of what's happening for us. So if in that moment you feel angry, if in that moment we just finished a chronic pain trial, our, our people are saying, my pain's 8 out of 10, like they're saying it. What that does in the body and brain's process is it engages the brain to give you the experience just enough, that you can get in touch with it in order to obviously do something about it. In our case, we're trying to lower that intensity with the tapping. Now, in EMDR, the eye movement therapy that's very similar to EFT, they do the same thing, but they then do a different process with the eyes and the hemispheres in the brain. They actually do use tapping as well. Same thing. So you just bring it up enough. To be able to do something, which is why we say don't just acknowledge that won't change anything. You need to do a change technique and obviously body based ones are fairly effective and they work very quickly. Um, Affirmations, sometimes people will try to use affirmations to overcome and that can take an incredibly long time if you don't address what's underneath as the truth. So if someone's saying, you know, I'm a happy, healthy, wealthy person, but really they're not, then it's very hard to put that Band-Aid over the top by doing that affirmation without addressing underneath. And that's why sometimes people get disillusioned and say, well, I said that affirmation for 30 days in a row and nothing in my life changed. And it's like that's because it's not the truth. So, yeah, you, you do see online and we do point it out in our trainings, people doing positive tapping and positive tapping is actually not one of the main techniques in tapping we don't do any positive tapping when we're teaching it clinically to you know therapists to use mainly because anything positive just emerges when you reduce the negative or the truth or the intensity of what's really happening people will get that cognitive reframe and just sort of go oh feel really calm now oh that problem seems distant to me now actually I feel some compassion towards that person that hurt me and we haven't had to tap on that when they lower the negative then that's what emerges so positive tapping can be the same as affirmations where it just doesn't actually get to the root of what's really there
0: yeah and I think this could be one of the reasons uh, it'd be really interesting to research uh, positive meditation I'm thinking of um Joe Dispenza and some of the miracles that uh, his students have experienced over the years. I know you've read some of his work. Um, Maybe those miraculous transitions happen because that person actually accepted exactly where they were and maybe that's why also it doesn't work for some others. And key to moving forward is to being completely present to how awful whatever it is is right now.
1: Mm. And there mm. is that because um I've actually published with Joe some of his research and we oh, that's just, right, of course. Yeah, we have um, I remember. we've just finished a, a little primary school trial in Brisbane last year, which was just fabulous.
0: Oh, amazing. So,
1: yes, yeah, so we're doing school trials with him. So the key in people that get the miraculous healings and including in other health spaces too, like um Kelly Howe's work in the cancer remission and things like that, is letting go. So in that moment, if people are able to let go, you're right, they're accepting. So they're letting go and accepting. And at the same time, then perhaps, and we see it in gamma brainwave states, having a different experience, some sort of transcendental experience, which on occasion can lead to spontaneous physical healing of something in the body. And Joe's obviously got cases like that, but it doesn't necessarily happen to everybody. And people can meditate for five years in a row every day. and say oh I feel more calm and I feel better and absolutely they would be but they may not ever have those experiences so it just is one kind of key element that sometimes maybe is needed as well is that acceptance and yeah that ability to let go. Mm,
0: Fascinating and so then we've talked about when you seek out a practitioner when you know things come up for you that you really do need someone there to help you navigate it. But there are so many scripts we can prepare at home and do ourselves. You wouldn't have written the book otherwise (laughs) Um, and that you feel completely safe ushering people out in the world to getting happening for themselves. Uh, How specific do we need to get then on these general statements that I keep coming back to so that we are really on the money with, uh, let's say uh, you had a great example of one of the drama kids, uh, one of your colleagues ushering a drama kid through the fear of forgetting their lines for the play. And that's just such a common one for the adults. It could be forgetting your key points at a meeting where you have to deliver a presentation. Um, How specific do we need to go from the initial, I always forget what I'm going to say to the person, the situation and the time?
1: yeah I think if you've definitely got something like a future event coming up like that I because pe- that's the most common question people ask is I don't know what words to say <laughs> so which is why I included so many props in that. there are book so many
0: that, good ones yeah, yeah so that
1: you go oh yes that one's me oh that one's me that type of thing so the specificity really is about I just say what are you telling yourself in your head about that meeting tomorrow and that you have to stand up and you know talking in front of your peers or strangers or whatever, what are you telling yourself in your head? And I say start there because normally people can tell you what that running loop is that's going around. And so if it's like, oh, I'm going to embarrass myself, okay, just start there. How strong does that feel for you when we give it a rating out of 10? Oh, it's an 8 out of 10. I I'm I think I'm going to embarrass myself. So we just tap on that till that gets low. Now, anything else you're telling yourself about that event tomorrow or forgetting your lines in you know, a drama class or exams, whatever it might be. So whatever you are ruminating on and if you're trying to find out, what am I saying to myself? Just lie in bed tonight and start thinking about it because that's when it all comes out. I always say that too.
0: It's all about when the lights are out and you're staring at the ceiling in the dark, that's when the truth comes out.
1: So true. Mm. And and just pick one at a time. So I always say it's a bit like the newsreel that goes around on the TV that, you know, if you watch it long enough, it repeats itself. So we tend to probably only have, I mean, research says about six to ten of the same looping one-liners. So just start with one of them and go, oh, I'm going to embarrass myself. Okay, I feel better about that now. I've done some tapping. What's the next thing I'm saying to myself about that meeting? Well, what What if I go blank? Okay, I'm just going to tap on going blank and just do them one at a time rather than meshing them all into one big tapping sequence because they may actually have different varying levels of feeling emotion intensity and we we do say if you feel it physically so if you think about that thing that's coming up worried about am I going to remember and your stomach tightens you can just tap on this tight feeling in my stomach so sometimes you can just pay attention to the body rather than the thought and sometimes the body is a stronger kind of barometer for a lot of people. They're like, I don't know. I just have this tightness in my chest. I don't know what to call it. The good news about tapping is you don't need to call it anything. It's just a tightness in my chest, that type of thing. And it can just go away without you ever knowing what it was about. So, so yeah, it, just think about what am I telling myself in my head and start there.
0: Yeah, nice. And in terms of what we know of how stress, because we're talking about forgetting your lines, like those things are, stressful before the event happens. That's what's going on here. Right. And so how does that then perpetuate the, I've got a bad memory about standing up in front of people in a meeting or saying my lines or remembering someone's name?
1: Yeah. So the amygdala, the stress center in the brain lives next door to the hippocampus, which is one area of the memory center. Memory can be stored everywhere. But so if the amygdala gets louder and we actually know you can grow your amygdala now you don't want to but it can get larger with repetitive obsessive stressful kind of situations or if you're on hypervigilance all the time so imagine someone that perhaps has ptsd the amygdala can be bigger which means it has a much easier ability to send out that stress cortisol hormone kind of response, which means the memory centre just shuts down and kind of goes, so my students in exams are a good example that they are so stressed about being in the exam and what grade they want to get that that whole prefrontal cortex, which is my ability to think clearly in my forehead and, you know, remember stuff. Yeah, the one stuff. that's, that's going to help the you do is, well in the exam. That's right. just goes <laughs> offline, like it just leaves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the other thing about stress is when you are in that fight or flight, and genuinely that could be having to do a presentation, in an exam, um, put on the spot. People can go into fight or flight, freeze or faint. And in that moment, the blood flow that leaves your brain and goes to your extremities to try to get you into that ability to do I have to run here? It's very evolutionary and it hasn't sort of ever kind of got better, is about 80% of your blood flow. So 80% leaves the brain and the frontal cortex goes to the extremities so that you can or flight and run out of the meeting, which would obviously be embarrassing, but not designed for that. So what we're saying is if you can use some tapping before you go into the meeting, the exam, the speech you have to give, whatever it might be, not only will you stop that happening and calm that amygdala down, but then your memory centre is back online and you can access the information. The one thing I say to my students is it won't work if you haven't actually studied because you have to have the
0: information in there. <laughs> Very important oh, point. That's exactly
1: yeah. right. But the minute you can calm everything back down and you're back online, so is the brain. And then you actually can remember things. So people will, there's a couple of cases in the book where, you know, tapping for things you've lost, people are like, oh, I've, I've put something somewhere safe and I can't remember where it is or I've lost my car keys or I've lost this. And so there's a couple of case studies in there where they just tapped on the fact they couldn't remember. Like, I can't remember. But the calmer they got, even if it was within a day or two, they suddenly got the thought that came in as to where that thing was that they'd hidden or put away and it came back to them. Because it's just about getting the brain calm again and the body follows. So, yeah, that, that's the link there with stress.
0: Yeah, and and depression as well because you bring that in in the book uh, yeah. and I think that's fascinating because we think of memory, we don't really think, oh, yeah, you know, my memory gets really affected when I'm down, but it does.
1: Absolutely. And so we do, and obviously anyone suffering depression, we absolutely would recommend, you know, seeking lots of care in terms of therapy and support. But we do know that when people are depressed, memory seems to become foggy and it is impacted by obviously all the other symptoms that go with depression, which might be fatigue, oversleeping or insomnia, eating habits. And so whilst depression was always thought of 100% to do with serotonin and dopamine levels in the brain, we now have much more information about actually some depression may be caused in the gut and that can be driven by Uh, dietary kind of thing, so what they're eating. So sometimes people are eating the wrong foods and that's then impacting what looks like depression, but also it impacts their memory. So they genuinely forget to turn up for their therapy appointments because it's not front of mind because it's like they're in a fog and they just can't see the way forward. And sometimes it's highly appropriate to obviously be on medication while you do tapping. We've done a couple of depression trials and everyone stayed on their medication but learnt tapping and maybe applied it to when depression started and things like that. And then with their practitioner, a medical practitioner, were able to wean off the medication and maintain their gains. So, yeah, it's, it's probably an area people don't think about too much that can highly impact. If you go, I have a bad memory, like just I have a terrible memory. It's like, well, is there anything else going on here? And I do list six other topics in the book that, Highly impact memory. Yeah. So, yeah. All of them you can use tapping for. Yeah, exactly. And so
0: it, it seems like you've, we, we, we keep moving forward towards a clarity point, really, where uh, the bad memory, depression, and the other things that you talk about in the book all sort of form this reinforcement of a truth we're telling ourselves where we need some circuit breaking going on. And that's really what EFT provides as the support tool in this case.
1: That's perfect. I think that should be the quote card. It's a circuit breaker. <laughs> and it is, it's the truth we're telling ourselves. It's just one day you might, or you might read a book, or you might hear something and kind of go, ah, oh, what if I don't believe that anymore? Or what if I actually am the sort of person that has a great memory. Like I often say to people, do you know anyone that's got a really good memory, a great memory for names? And people go, yeah. go, well, why aren't you like that? And they go, oh, I don't know. (laughs) But you could be. So it is. It's the truth we're telling ourselves, but they're changeable. They're highly changeable, any of those statements are.
0: Well, if I think of our chief uh, counsellor by proxy of the world, Brene Brown. Like she tells us all the time to say, What's the story you're telling yourself? You know, so that, and then to use that in your relationships because it's not the truth. It's not a fact. It's just a story you're telling yourself.
1: That's right. And
0: that's incredibly productive to start working from that space instead of continuing to own them and sit with them inside us as fact.
1: That's right. And, you know, if we're talking about memory or stress or, physical exercise or good nutrition there's stories about all of those different areas in life so even you know people listening into this might start to ponder and get curious you know there's no no problem with getting curious about what what am i telling myself yeah and and so
0: i am stressed today i am stressed let's say what would we start asking ourselves to drill down a little bit more specifically because yeah, so, you could already see like, oh, I'm stressed, and then therefore I've stupidly spilt my my blush out onto the counter, or that you know all these things start confirming I am stressed and today's shit, and you know <laughs> it's like becomes this big cloud. Yeah, so obviously the alarm bells ringing that we need to get some tapping happening. But what do we start to break down from that point?
1: Yeah, so I'd probably start with the beginning of the day for someone because genuinely, You might feel stressed and we're not going to question that, that someone might have all the responses. Everything else from that point, spilling the blush, whatever, is just a chain reaction. But it's like, did you wake up stressed? So I'd probably, is that, did you wake up? And if someone's like, yeah, actually, from the moment I opened my eyes, did you have a good night's sleep? No, I tossed and turned. So you can go backwards and sort of go, all right, just pick a point that you want to start at. It might be about sleeping. You know what? I think that'll be the next book I write EFT for insomnia and sleep issues. Cause I think it's such a big area. I'm pondering it at the moment. So do you want to start there? Shall we tap on, you know, what's interrupting your sleep at the moment? Actually, I've got something on my mind. So what's creating it or contributing to waking up feeling stressed could be something at work that's happening at the moment so you can start there if someone's like no actually I woke up and everything was okay and had my coffee but then the kids started fighting that's when my stress went up well then that's the place to start so it's almost backtracked to where you can find it sort of as a starting point and, and start there and you can tap backwards so you can say oh, I don't know I don't know, I just feel stressed now okay we'll just start there where how do you feel stressed what's happening for you what are you telling yourself and then you can go backwards to find out. Sometimes it's so overwhelming people can't pinpoint where it comes from, and that's okay. Tapping can work both ways. It can work here to in the past, and then it can also work into the future. So it could be something tomorrow that's stressing you, that you've got a big meeting or a difficult conversation you have to have with someone, and that's been on your mind all night, and that's why you're stressed. So sometimes we just pick a point, it doesn't really matter, and just see where it goes.
0: Yeah, nice. And then from there, do people generally tend to find the next thing they want to tap on? Yeah, it experience? tends to, we, yeah. we call it
1: daisy chaining. So it kind mm-hmm. of daisy chains down to the next one. And sometimes you run out of time and you're like, I'm just going to park that and come back later. It is great to keep a diary so you can actually look at it tonight. May have shifted and you don't have to tap on it, but it just reminds you that's where I was up to. And the other thing we do always, because it's such a good stress regulation tool, we recommend people just tap for five minutes every day, regardless of whether they feel stressed, because if you just get up and with your morning, you know, beverage, you just sit and do some tap and breathe. So you don't actually even have to say anything. So just tapping on every pressure point and just taking a gentle breath just brings you back into your body and often can be an accumulative effect over time. So we say, even if like I've been tapping for 25 years, so I don't have to tap daily anymore on anything big, but I might tap just driving into work when I don't really have anything on my mind. I'm just regulating myself so that I'm just present when I come in. And I think that's a really good habit. It also helps you remember to tap when the wheels fall off because you've been doing it every day. It's very hard to learn a technique go, oh, that worked really well, and then don't do it and six months later remember to do it when something big happens because it's not there as a regular activity.
0: Yeah, so it's actually uh, you find the the benefits are more noticeable in people who incorporate it as a a part of their lives.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And I just want to clarify one thing you said because it was tapping while driving to work. Right, Um, yes. are we yes. doing that at the lights and then you talked about the yes. wheels falling off and i was like this doesn't sound good i know
1: um i have an automatic so i don't change gears <laughs> so yes don't recommend tapping at the lights absolutely people look at me and probably wonder where am i going, but um maybe they'll go google why is that lady tapping on her face so yeah it, it wouldn't be tapping while i'm driving and trying to focus on driving so no don't it was always
0: don't tap and drive kids it was always mm. my
1: my quiet Space from when I had my girls are now teenagers oh, yeah. and adults, but it was my space to be able to go, All right, I'm going out and I've got to run around and I'll do my tapping in the pause moments.
0: Well, you also talk about how um, ducking off to the bathroom when you know you need yeah. to tap something out is a really great way to just yeah. disappear for a few minutes.
1: That's right, private, and you know, the kids might tend not to follow you into the bathroom, hopefully, particularly if they're a bit older. So it's just a bit of space and you can do an incredible amount of five minutes tapping when you're sitting in there, even if you're in a workspace and, you know, open plan offices, but you need to go and just regulate yourself before you go into a meeting or have a conversation with someone, you can do that as well. There are some other discrete ways of tapping. So we actually teach our students on the finger, on where the nail bed touches each finger, uh, is an acupressure point. So if you just squeeze on the nail bed of each finger, you can do that in your lap. And so you can still say words in your mind, but that's what they use in my exam. So they'll actually just squeeze while they're saying, I can't remember, I can't remember, I can't remember what that thing was. And then they remember. So they can do that in their lap and no one will notice. So the acupressure points on each of those nail beds also get activated when you actively tap with your fingers. So you're getting Mm -hmm. a double, double sort of dose.
0: Yeah, brilliant. And, yeah, because I was going to say, you know, a 13-year-old doing this in the middle of an exam hall (laughs) is basically just going to be teased for the rest of the term. (laughs) So (laughs) definitely don't want that happening Um, because that brings up a whole other bunch of issues that we need to tap on. Um, I want to ask you about cognitive decline and memory and how that's different to I'm bad with names and how tapping fits in in that space.
1: Absolutely. And so I included a chapter on memory loss disorders, Mm. primarily lots of case studies of our real practitioners around the world that work in that kind of, you know, older age space. And you're right, the contributions to memory decline can be numerous. So they can be everything from, you know, biological things. Yes, some lifestyle things. And I have included how to tap on high blood pressure, eating habits, exercise, you know, alcohol use, cigarettes, in case some of those lifestyle factors potentially may impact. But ultimately what we do know, and there have actually been a couple of clinical trials that have been published in this space. So it's used for things like agitation and emotional regulation, where even if someone will allow them to be tapped on, so an elderly person might find that quite comforting that the practitioner will tap on them themselves rather than self-applying. So it could just be around, you know, that agitation. We talk about sundowner's effect, that when the sun goes down of an evening, a lot of people with dementia become really agitated due to melatonin levels in the body and the sun setting. It's a really common phenomenon. If tapping's been used in that space just to help calm someone down, perhaps for the nightly routine, um, as well as things like if they still actively have like the ability to kind of interact and memory hasn't declined too much. Practitioners have been able to work with people about their feelings of perhaps sadness or sorrow that they're aware their memory is declining because that can be a really hard space to be in where you're aware you're starting to lose sort of some ability and you're not yet kind of you know, suffering to such an extent that you can't remember anymore. So people have been able to use it in that sort of space um, for, you know, elderly people as well. Now, the major area I talk about in the book, which I think is relevant to any of us, is if you have a family history of Alzheimer's or dementia, that can set off a chain reaction of emotions in, you know, us as their children of worry. And so that could be worry, stress, anxiety. Will it happen to me? And so we actually say, in I say in the book, why don't you use tapping on your worry that it may happen to you? It's not necessarily because we're not following you through to see if it happens, but it would be a better place to be in not to be worrying about that family history. Because again, stories, uh, it runs in my family and it's like, well, it doesn't have to be you.
0: No. But and we know so much about how that's right. it doesn't yeah. need to now.
1: So we like really apply tapping to any worry that it may happen to you or what that means if it happens to you or what feelings come up for you just about family history and, and things like that. And the last area in that particular chapter is about if you're a carer for someone with a memory loss disorder, that can be we actually know your telomeres, your biomarkers of ageing shorten in those carer roles. So you speed up the aging process because of the stress associated with being a carer. So there's a whole section in how to use tapping as a carer for your own self-care when you're caring for someone with dementia or um, one of those other disorders.
0: Wow. And would would it be possible for part of the accelerated aging to also be Uh, attributed to a story, you might start telling yourself about, God, I hope this never happens to me. Like, you know, you start seeing this and you think this would be the worst. And then that becomes a, but what if, but it could. And then, you know, so just being around it by osmosis, you can start to fear it.
1: Absolutely. So, you know, whatever story starts to become your truth, every belief or thought system has neuro hormones attached to the feeling. So every thought has a feeling. So if the feeling is fear, then your body is going to be flooded with adrenaline, cortisol, not the happy hormones, the other ones. And that is what erodes telomeres. So We have to be, thoughts do not happen. I say to people, be careful what you say (laughs) or think because every thought has a chain reaction on your body's physical system because of the emotion attached to it. So you never have a neutral thought. Every thought has a feeling. So the feeling is what's important. And those negative ones, if you've held it for a very long time over life, then could be those hormones of adrenaline, you know, adrenal fatigue, cortisol, too much cortisol, and you're not, eroding, enough. not yeah. enough low cortisol, eroding the body's systems. And, yeah, you can, there's now research that suggests a certain length of telomere is associated with the onset of dementia. Wow.
0: So you
1: can actually go have your telomeres measured. Probably don't run out and ask every GP to measure your telomere. <laughs> I'm sure
0: they'll be thrilled. Yes, I know.
1: But legitimately you can because... They've, they've, and they were um, fabulous researchers from Australia and America that found actually won the Nobel Prize for um, finding that telomere length is associated with the onset of dementia.
0: Mm-hmm. And have you done any research into EFT and telomere length? It's on my wish list, Yay! Alex. Absolutely. Excellent. Yes, I have
1: long <laughs> been. We do need to do blood testing, so it's a little bit invasive. Mm-hmm. Um, what we have most recently done in our chronic pain trial, so we have been doing functional MRIs for a while, is we actually measured vagal tone.
0: Improvement. Ah, I was going to ask about yeah. the Vegas. So nerves. we did.
1: Um, so we partnered with um, Professor Stephen Porger's team of polyvagal theory, and we measured in a subgroup of our pain patients um, through a heart rate variability monitor that was able to give us the raw data. Where their team has worked out how to analyze that as a function of, and we we showed that a six week tapping program significantly improved vagal efficiency of the vagus nerve for the chronic pain sufferers. So their brain scans showed they look like a normal pain patient, as in if you stubbed your toe, it hurts, but it goes away. So their brains came back to a normality there and their vagus nerve efficiency improved, meaning they could cope better in life. So we want to take that further because we didn't only have a small sample. But yeah, to us, If you can improve your vagus nerve functioning, um, it's probably another explanation as to why people go on and just cope better in life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, it's the stories rather than the facts. Oh, I always get this pain. Oh, my mother always had back pain. And then the self-perpetuating cycle of stress when you notice a tiny niggle in your back that might not even be that pain. And then, boom, we're on our way. And, yeah, it's, it's quite fascinating to me just talking to you today about how much this confirms how much of what we tell ourselves just isn't true
1: that's right most of it's
0: a lie Mm. (laughs) I mean
1: there's some what a waste (laughs) of time and energy my goodness and there's some suggestion in the research that 85% of the thoughts you had yesterday, you'll have tomorrow and the next day and the next day. So they actually just repeat. So if you're Mm. ever wondering, you just sit there and write them down. They're the same ones that you've been having for, you know, decades. Um, You don't normally have any new ones unless you start getting in there and changing them. And they're all changeable. And I think that's probably the main point, isn't it, that you can change any of them.
0: That's it. Exactly. Start the work um okay so what are you I'm very excited about uh, some of the things you've talked about having on the cards uh is there anything in terms of clinical practice acceptance development into that space that we can get excited about you know next time you go see your psychologist this may well start to become something on the table
1: yeah so for the very first time in Australia we have a brand new master's subject here at Bonn which starts this coming weekend uh, where it's a trauma-informed subject, but all our master's students are going to learn EFT tapping. So Excellent. our next graduates coming out will actually have this as a mainstream technique. So that's quite exciting. There's only one other university in Paris that teaches tapping. So we're the first here. So that in itself is telling us that psychology in general is embracing because we have many hospitals, we have many um, you know health programs, we have NDIS in Australia, and they will all accept EFT tapping. So to have our next generation coming out that are trained in this as clinical psychologists is is incredibly exciting. I tell you, they're very excited about their very first intensive that's coming up. Um, so that's happening. We are parallel to that, um, going through the American Psychological Association review to have EFT listed as evidence based. So that took eighteen months to get to the point of submission last October. We've done one resubmission. So that's a watch this space, you know, they are all volunteers and um, work their own careers and jobs, so we just have to sit and wait, but we absolutely. So it's being reviewed for post-traumatic stress disorder, so the evidence for that, and that's all sitting there, so that's all out of our hands and we're tapping and waiting for that one. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you we meet the criteria. It's just yeah, yeah. Next step. <laughs> what what that ultimately means is Medicare and what's accepted under a Medicare session they they look to that list, so ultimately that just means. And look between us, you know, it's just a matter of time. There's enough, you know, research studies that have been done and whatever. So then, obviously, you would go for acceptance for different conditions. So at the moment, PTSD is being reviewed, but you know, just for stress or chronic pain or depression, then they all get kind of reviewed as well. So so yeah, the acceptance to us is growing. The schools that are embracing it. You know, we've had over a thousand teachers do a training in um, tapping in the classroom, where they're all using it in schools before the day starts. You know, before an exam, before spelling. My book, I list how to use it when kids are learning to spell, learn their times table. If you tap while you're learning, all that learning foreign languages, you can tap and stay calm, and it actually goes in better. So schools are embracing it. So we really are. They they suggest in medicine there's about a 20-year translational gap of when things are tested in research and then make it into mainstream, and EFT is sitting at the 20-year mark. So you can see we are matching that, and EMDR was exactly the same. So it's just time. It's just a matter of time. So there's lots of exciting things happening as far as we're concerned.
0: (laughs) Well, it's the perfect time to have brought you back on and to really feel through that hope and excitement because people want more options uh, and what we've done before can only take us so far. And uh, EFT for me is one of the key uh, things to bring into clinical practice and support people because it's something that they can then feel empowered to do between sessions and then eventually all on their own. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So that's the most exciting part, non-invasive, free, uh, you know, so many benefits. So thank you so much for the work you do to champion EFT and to teach us all how to bring it into our daily lives. I really, really appreciate
1: it. Oh, my absolute pleasure. Happy anytime to talk about tapping. Thanks. Owen. I
0: bet you are. <laughs> <laughs> and that is today's show thank you so much for tuning in a reminder we have so many fantastic shows in our archives these days if this particular topic was helpful to you, head over to lowtoxlife.com forward slash podcast and click on the podcast directory, which gives you food, body, home, mind, and environmental health topics segmented. So you can see all the shows that we've done in all of those areas and head straight to what you want. A reminder, we also have 10 fabulous e-courses that I've written with various doctors, naturopaths, health professionals, and experts over the years to support you on your low-tox journey, whether it's making daily swaps, getting ready to make babies, looking after your inflammation. You can hit the courses tab on lotoxlife.com to explore those. And lastly, I would love to meet you on socials, go and head over to at lotoxlife on Instagram or find us on Facebook. It's always such a pleasure to chat and see how you guys are going when you share favorite shows and share them with your friends. I absolutely love that. A little reminder, of course, that all of our shows are not intended as medical advice. They are intended to open the minds and hearts of people and maybe help you explore something you hadn't considered yet, but please always check in with your health professional. And one last little request, if you have time to leave us a review, wherever you listen to this podcast, that would just mean the world to me because it helps us get out there and have other people have confidence that that thing they're considering pressing play on is absolutely worth it. I'll catch you for the next show you tune into. Thanks for joining me again. This is Alex Stewart, founder of Lotox Life.